And when we come to this passage, it's all about eating meat or not eating meat or eating food and not eating food. And you might think, well, what has this got to say to us today? And in a sense, uh, this passage is irrelevant for us today as a church because um, although in the 50s AD it was a real issue about whether you should eat meat or not, um, in those days, in that, today, it isn't. In fact, for centuries, Christians says it doesn't really matter what eat, whether you eat, eat meat or not. So the issue is no longer relevant. But actually, the way that Paul deals with the issue, the principles he puts in place here, are still relevant as we come to think about um, how we deal with disagreements in the church today. And one of the key things is the importance of peace. Romans is all about the good news of God. It's all about what God's done for us in Jesus Christ. And in this last part of Romans, Paul's talking about what that means for the way we live our lives now. And fundamental to the good news is that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross to bring us peace. It says in Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified, that's been, in other words, been made right with God through faith, by trusting in God, what God's done in Jesus, we have peace with God our Lord Jesus Christ. Other parts of the Bible say that you were enemies of God because of your evil behaviour, you're under God's judgement, but now, because of Jesus and because of your trust in him, you're made friends with him. You can relate to him. You're, you're children of God now. The relationship's been completely repaired. You, you've been reconciled to God. God has brought peace. And the heart of the good news, the heart of the gospel, is that we have peace with God. And if we have peace with God, then that should show itself, shouldn't it, by the fact we have peace with one another. And, and as churches, um, it's so important that we, we show that peace in our own relationships as a demonstration of the peace that we now have with God through Jesus Christ. And where you find churches falling to disagreements and arguments and, and falling apart, it tends to undermine the very good news that we preach. Peace is really important as Christians. And yet disagreements within the church are inevitable. Um, there are all sorts of modern disagreements in churches, aren't there? Um, we had a PCC meeting on Monday. Uh, and in PCC meetings, you occasionally have disagreements. Um, actually, quite a good debate, I think, about one or two issues. Um, it's often the things you don't expect. Um, this time it's about Christmas trees, but we won't go into that. <laughs> um, and actually, we were able to disagree, but then come to a, a joint conclusion that everyone would respect, which is great. But there's all sorts of things that churches can disagree over. What to do with a building, what type of music you should sing, whether to have liturgy or not. Um, did an earlier service today where I, I robe up, because it's a very traditional service, and I wore my white robes and scarf, and Christopher said to me, why don't you carry on wearing your robes until the next service? <laughs> and I thought, well, oh, I can talk about controversial things and disagreements, maybe I should, as a, as a demonstration of that. Um, people have disagreements about whether clergy should wear robes or dog collars and so on. There's all sorts of things we can disagree with, and most of them aren't that important. But there are some bigger issues that come along, aren't there? It's free I want to touch on as we go through this morning. I'm trying not to take too long over it. Um, the issue over sex and sexuality and relationships is a big issue in the church at the moment. There's disagreements over that. There's issues about whether women should be in leadership in the church, and there's disagreements over that. There's disagreements about whether churches should accept lottery funding or not, uh, and people have different, different opinions over that. 
And as I go through, I want to touch on those very briefly. It's, each of those could probably take a whole sermon in itself. But what I want to focus on is how we deal with disagreements. So let's look at what the disagreement was back in the 50s AD. As I said, it's no longer relevant now, but um, we need to understand what it was in order to understand what Paul is saying here. And basically it was this, you see, um, many people that become Christians were, were, came from non-Jewish backgrounds. They were used to eating meat, um, and they became a Christian, and Paul's gospel doesn't say anything about stopping eating meats, which is strange because lots of religions like Judaism and Islam and others tell you what sort of foods you should eat. Christianity doesn't. I said a lot of non-Jewish Christians um, happily eating meat in Rome. Uh, and then some Jewish Christians came along to Rome because the Jews had been kicked out of Rome, but now they've been allowed back. But because of their backgrounds as, as Jews and having been brought up with the Old Testament saying you shouldn't eat pork, for example, and other, other forms of meat, um, and because they were aware that a lot of the meat had, been, had come from the temples where it had been sacrificed to idols and they thought that it, that made it unclean and tainted, um, they thought that as Christians we shouldn't eat meat. And so you had these two conflicting opinions in the church, probably along the lines of those that are Jews and those that weren't Jews. And if you look at the book of Romans, there's a lot of talk about those that are Jews and those that aren't Jews. And, and Paul comes along and um, he says, look, look at verse 14. He says, I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. So he had come to the opinion that it was okay to eat meat. But he was aware there was still a lot of people in their Jewish background that were concerned that we shouldn't do it. And so that was a disagreement. Should you eat meat or shouldn't you eat meat? And Paul writes to the church in Rome and he wants to try and help them to deal with this issue in a way that is Christian. To deal with a disagreement in the way that is Christian. And there's three principles, and if you're taking notes this week, you can start taking notes. There's three principles that I think we can draw from this. I'm trying to make them as simple as possible. Firstly, it's important that we pursue truth and are persuaded by God. Paul in verse 14 says, I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus. In other words, he sees this controversial issue, should we eat meat or shouldn't we eat meat? And to help him decide personally for himself, what does he do? He looks at what Jesus says. He looks at what the Bible says. He tries to work out from that what the truth is. He doesn't say, oh, I I actually quite fancy eating meat, therefore I, I believe we should eat meat. He doesn't say, all oh, my friends eat meat, therefore I should eat meat. He doesn't say that we need to modernise and start eating meat. He says, what does the Bible say? What does God's word say? He tries to come to a decision by seeking the truth. But he's aware that some issues may be where people seek the truth from the Bible and it still come to different conclusions. And so if you go back to the beginning of chapter 14... He says there in verse 2, oh sorry, in verse 1, he says, Accept one whose faith is weak without quarrelling over disputable matters. In other words, he sees this, this whether you should eat meat or not, as a disputable matter. He can understand that his, his Jewish Christian friends have grown up being taught that you shouldn't eat some pork, for example, that you shouldn't have anything to do with idol, idol worship, and, and therefore you shouldn't eat meat from idol, uh, sacrificed to idols. And he says, I can see that as they looked at the Bible, as they looked at the truth in the Bible, how they've come to that conclusion. I don't think they quite, quite looked at it carefully enough, he says. I think if you look more carefully, you'd come to a different conclusion. But I can see that they've been seeking truth, they've been trying to come to that conclusion. And so actually, there's, there's a different view that can come out of this. It's a disputable matter, even if for those that are trying to seek the truth. 
And, and it's important that we, we, as we look at things that are arguments and discussions in the church, we try and work out which are disputable, which, pe- which are those that people who are genuinely trying to understand God's words and yet still come to different conclusions. And where there are matters where people are just trying to force other ideas onto the church that are actually clearly counter to the Bible. So one of the big debates in the church at the moment, you're probably aware of that, is, is about the whole area of what, what is right sexual behaviour, um, and particularly all down the issues of sexuality, homosexuality, and so on. Now, to be clear, I think the Bible is very clear, firstly, that everyone, no matter what their background, no matter what their lifestyle's been, is welcome to come to church to hear the gospel, and we want to welcome them here. But also, we want to be clear that the Bible teaches us and calls us to live in certain ways as Christians, and sometimes those ways are different to the ways of the world around us. And the Bible, I think, is clear throughout on the teaching on sex and sexuality. That sex is for a marriage between a man and a woman, and other than that, it should be restricted. And I don't think God's being a killjoy in that. We've read Psalm 1. What does it say about those that focus on God's word, that seek the truth? Blessed is the one. God is the one that designed us. God is the one that created sex. And so God knows what's best for us. And so as we grow in Christ, as we learn to follow Christ, we'll learn more and more that to follow his ways and his teaching in this area is the best way. It leads to true flourishing and joy. And actually, if you look at some of the results of the sexual revolution around and the brokenness in families and everything else, you can see that it's far from joyful. We're called to pursue truth. Some issues, people will come to God's word and will come to different conclusions, both genuinely trying to seek the truth. Other issues, you may think actually people are just trying to push the church in another direction, not taking God's word seriously. And then we need to stand up for the truth more clearly. That's not a disputable matter in the way Paul talks about disputable matters here. Secondly, though, as well as pursuing truth, we must pursue love. And in particular, pay attention to people's convictions. That's what the, the father in the advert was doing, I mentioned at the beginning, when he decided to use vegetarian sausages rather than meat sausages. And Paul is really encouraging us in this passage to pursue love. Um, if you look at get the right verse, verse 15, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. You see, um, love, like peace, is at the heart of the good news, isn't it? God, in his love, while we were still sinners, sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. It was a great sacrificial act of love. And that's what brings us into relation with God. That's what brings us forgiveness. That's what brings us eternal life. It was a wonderful gift of God. And so, as Christians, we're called to love. But we're also called to recognise that Jesus didn't just die for me, he died for every other Christian as well. So that that Christian brother or sister that you were in a disagreement with over something, Christ gave his life for that person. That's how valuable that person is to God. And so as Christians, if we're serious about loving God and being grateful to him for what he's done for us, then we have to value our brothers and sisters in Christ just as much as he does. So when we pursue love, we think about God's love, we value the other Christian. 
But also, of course, if, we, if we're responding to God's love, then it's, not, then it's right that we too love others. And Paul's talked a lot about that in the last few chapters, about the importance of loving our neighbour, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul says, look, when it comes to issues around disagreement, we need to think very carefully about how we disagree with our brother or sister. And in this particular instance, he says, one of the things you need to do if you want to pursue love with your brother or sister is to pay attention to their convictions. So he says, look, what issue is here? Look, they have, a, they have looked at the Bible. They decided that it's not right to eat meat because they think it's tainted by idol worship or whatever reason. They come to that conclusion. They think that to eat meat would be to go against what God teaches. So that means that if they do eat meat, even though it's not wrong in itself to eat the meat, Paul says, because he believes that, because they believe it's wrong to eat meat, because they believe it's going against God, if they eat the meat themselves, it will be a sin. They in their heart will be disobeying God. So you need to be careful that you're not going to push them or influence them or encourage them in any way into doing something that they believe is against God. Because then you're calling, causing them to fall. You're causing them to stumble. You're causing them to sin. Now how might that happen? Well, if, if you have a mi meals together as Christians and, and some of you go along and say, well, we like eating meat. And so you all eat meat. Uh, and the people there that think it's wrong to eat meat are then feel pressurized to start eating meat themselves even though they think it's wrong. Or maybe you, you're so passionate about the importance of eating meat as Christians, we need to really push this forward. Um, then again, you might bully them into doing what they think is wrong. Uh, and so again, we need to think carefully about, on certain issues, we may have very clear views ourselves on what, should, on what should happen, but are we, by pushing that issue, actually damaging the conscience of other people? We need to think, love is not just about the obvious things. Sometimes it's about thinking about the careful things. I think this has relevance to the issue of um, women in leadership. Um, you may be aware that um, the new Bishop of Dover that's about to be licensed is um, a woman called Rhodes, Rose Hudson-Wilkins. There's a picture of her on the screen there. Um, and she, she will soon be the Bishop of Dover. And, and for some Christians, having read the Bible, they feel that women shouldn't be in leadership. And so for some Christians, this is a difficulty. My personal view, having read the Bible, is that it's okay for women to be in leadership. But I can understand why other people have a different view. For me, I think this is one of those disputable issues. And the Church of England is trying to find a way to actually protect people's consciences while also allowing women to be bishops. And that is that some churches can choose to have an alternative bishop to the local one. And actually, if you're aware of church politics locally, two local churches have done that. Holy Trinity Ramsgate and Christ Church Ramsgate have both asked to have alternative, an alternative bishop so they don't have to have a woman bishop because they don't believe in their conscience that's right. And I think the teaching of this passage would say we should, we should respect that. Now, my view is that, um, as, as St. Luke's, that wouldn't be the right thing to do because that's not the general view here. But there may be people here who have strong convictions about their not being a woman bishop. And it may be that they want to get confirmed or family members confirmed, and that obviously involves a bishop. And to protect their consciences, what we can get work around that by arranging for them to join in with an alternative bishop's confirmation service or something like that. There's ways around it. 
We need to think about how do we protect people's consciences while accepting there will be disagreements on such disputable issues. We need to pursue love. So we need to pursue truth, we need to pursue love, but thirdly and finally, we need to pursue peace. Um, Paul says, look, the kingdom of God, what we're about as Christians, it's not about eating, it's not about whether you eat meat or not, that's not what defines whether you're a Christian or not. What defines whether you're a Christian or not is um, things like righteousness, this is verse um, 17, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, that's what God has done for us, isn't it? He's, he's made us right with God. He's given us righteousness. He's given us peace with God. And through that, we have a joy and the joy of eternal life and hope that comes from that. And so our lives should be lives which seek to live righteous lives, um, to, to live lives of peace in community of one another, to live lives of joy. Those are the fundamental and important issues of what it means to be a Christian. Don't get sidetracked. Don't lose the perspective of that by focusing so much on the things you disagree with each other on. Uh, and it's so easy, isn't it? So often we do end up focusing on the things where we're disagreeing with someone else on. Is that natural human behaviour? They can be really insignificant or unimportant things. But we suddenly start to make them bigger than they are. So maybe you're so passionate about a certain style of Christian worship that you want to pu really push for that and it becomes the focus of what you think church is about. Paul says, get perspective. Peace within the church is far more important. Rather than pushing your one particular issue, your one particular view, what you should be working for more importantly is to have a peace in relationships and harmony in community. That doesn't mean you'll always agree on everything. But it does mean that you'll put the priority of the relationships above everything else. And so Paul says in verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. And sometimes that will mean getting off your high horse and accepting that not everyone will agree with you. Sometimes that will mean being willing to give up some of your freedoms. So if you think it's right to eat meat, but you don't want to harm the conscience of another person, then, then don't eat meat with other people when you're in church. It might be hard to avoid that bacon sandwich. I know that's not relevant today, but... <laughs> You see the sort of sacrifice you might have to make? You know you don't like the way the service, the style of the service in church, but actually maybe you just got to accept it for the sake of the peace, which is far more important. Pursue peace and seek perspective. Another issue which um, Christians disagree on is whether to accept money from the National Lottery. Um, and there's churches around here that have done that in order to sort of do other buildings. There's churches I've been involved in that are Bible-believing churches that have accepted money from the lottery. I've been on a PCC meeting at another church years and years ago. We've had an argument about whether to accept money from the lottery or not. Um, my personal view is that we shouldn't, because um, the lottery, although a minor gambling, is gambling. Um, it tends to give people a focus on wanting to get rich rather than focus on wanting to get God, which I think is more important. Um, and I think if you accept money from the National Lottery, it's a public act and you usually have to put up a plaque somewhere saying the, the lottery have funded this. So it becomes obvious that you've done that. Um, other Christians would say, well, actually, the money's been collected anyway. Why not use the money for something that's good and accept it for that, so redeem the money? I'm not convinced by that, but they, they, they argue it that way. Again, you could argue it's a disputable matter. But it is a bit of a side issue as well, isn't it? Is it something we should really fall out of over or disagree over? 
Is peace actually the more important issue within churches? Is that something we should strive for? Yes, we can all agree that gambling is wrong, but quite how we say we should protest against gambling, we may disagree over. So there will be things that churches disagree over. And that shouldn't matter. Some things will matter because they are issues of truth. The Bible is clear and people are trying to argue against the Bible. And I would put sex and sexuality in that category. Other things are more debatable. Um, people will come to different conclusions by looking at the Bible. And I'd put the women's leadership and whether to take money out from lustre in that category. But we need most of all to get the principles right. We need to pursue truth. We need to pursue love. And we need to pursue peace. That's what Christianity is all about. That is what we should be about as a church. So, would you be willing to have vegetarian sausages? Let's pray.